BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need, all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. I'm here today with a special guest, the off-grid heathen, Benjamin Balderson. How are you doing today, man? Absolutely fantastic. It's some beautiful spring weather, and I've had a couple uh, crazy weeks, and uh, it's finally winding down. We had a spring, a little spring uh, equinox uh, get-together, um, and a lot of the people from the thing that I did last a couple of years ago came and uh, we did a whole thing here and uh, Freddie Badger stayed for a few weeks and um, had the county come in bothering us again, hitting me up saying that about cannabis growing, except for I don't grow cannabis. So it's some nonsense. So I end up fighting with the county about it. Like, you know, cause I'm not particularly nice about it. Like the cannabis growers like, Oh, we're so sorry. And I'm like, why are you bothering me? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I have to actually be growing cannabis before, before this is an issue, before you're going to get me to act like I'm doing something wrong. You shouldn't bother me. Like, uh, but, uh, it's been a great, pretty, pretty crazy couple weeks, but now it's uh pretty nice. And we got these puppies out of here, got some new floor in here. So the house isn't smelling like a kennel and yeah, doing pretty good. Sounds good, man. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background, man. Absolutely. I'm Benjamin Balderson. Um, he said I'm the off-grid heathen. What I, I'm an Odinist, so uh, I try to live by the old ways as much as possible, um, including self-sufficiency. 
So a big thing about me is I live off grid, uh, have all my own animals and uh, have solar power, um, mountain spring for my water. Uh, I live as much uh, out of the system as I can possibly and try to build my own system that uh, so that way, like in the recent climate where we had so many supply chain issues, this isn't going to affect me then at that point. Um, so the closer I can get to that, the better. And that some of that includes making my own medicines and things like that, because we all know that you're occasionally going to get sick or have issues. So one of the other things, do a lot of different occult things, uh, again, as an Odinist, um, <laughs> including trying to work my own land, do basically everything I can from wiring up all my own stuff to plumbing it, to, uh, again, making my own medicine, um, whatever else. Uh, and I'm pretty well known around. I'm on quite a few different shows. My show is Odin's Alchemy. Uh, you can just look me up under Benjamin Balderson and I come up under a ton of different interviews all over the place. Plus, uh, show, which is, and that's where I try to direct everybody. Um, I didn't have a platform that was uncensored for the longest time. So it was just better for me to go talk on other shows where they're, where they have their own uncensored platform, like Crow 777 and people like that, where they own their own platform and they can do what they want. Um, up until the point where I got to Rockfin and Rockfin's been completely uncensored and those guys have been great. So I went, uh, threw my show up on over there. Awesome. Before we get into today's question, uh, why don't, why don't you start by telling us what, what an alchemist is exactly? Alchemist is somebody who literally performs alchemy and there, there's a whole lot of confusion right now. Um, because, uh, alchemy has become a real popular one of them uh, pop words that everybody likes to throw on and everybody's a, a this alchemist or that alchemist. So an alchemist, what they literally are is somebody that observes nature and, uh, takes it apart and then to its most minute pieces. So one of the easiest ways to explain that is with spagyrics, because as an alchemist, it's as above, so below, everything works the same on all levels whether it is a crystal life, whether it's plant life, whether it's animal life, it all works the same. Um, you just have to get it down to its finest component pieces and figure that out. So with spagyrics, that's an easy level to understand. Um, and so what you would do as an alchemist is you would take a plant and that plant, a lot of people understand, see the term prima materia thrown around and added to alchemy. And that's just whatever you happen to be working on, you know, be it uh, uh, a crystal, a piece of metal, a piece of lavender, um, whatever it is. And uh, but with the plant world, you're going to take that plant and you're going to break it down and you're going to put it through a series of things like fermentation. Um, you're going to take and calcify, which means you're going to burn the actual plant material down to its most finest form, releasing all the things that don't really belong with the plant, like the carbon, and getting it down to its mineral salts, its most base component. And then after having already pulled out other base components, so you're getting all these things down to the most purified versions of themselves. And then one of the things as an alchemist that you do that's different than other people is then you take all those components and rather than taking individual components, 
like a lot of people uh, look at uh, essential oils today, they're getting recognized and used quite a bit. And that's going to be a portion of what you're doing is, is for, uh, removing the oil from the plant and isolating out the oil. But uh, at that point, then as an alchemist, we're going to take those isolated components, which is going to be the oil, the sulfur, and the salt. And we're going to go ahead and put those components back together. And we're going to put them through the what's called the alchemical marriage, which uh, as an alchemist with those pieces, those pieces are uh, meant to work together in a symbiosis. And uh, pulled apart, none of those pieces work overly well. Um, they each have their own issues because like one side's overly feminine, it doesn't really work. One side's overly masculine, it doesn't really work. So as an alchemist, we marry the things, put them together in this union that cannot be unlocked after that. And then that becomes just what we, the representation of what we started out with. So if we start out with a lavender plant, it would then be the stone of lavender. Um, so we've taken out all the unnecessary uh, dirty pieces and gotten it down to its most purified pieces. And what you have then is, is a medicine that's gonna be uh, substantially stronger. Your, the efficacy is gonna be just infinitely stronger because uh, you don't have that influence. That's doing us to break it down to get to these usable pieces. And that's gonna take a lot. Where, and then also when you're looking at it yeah, medicinally, where you might get enough of these nutrients and minerals and things like that just from eating. If you're in good health, you're looking at a medicine, then that means that you're probably deficient on something. Uh, you probably have some kind of a problem or a lack. So you're going to need to take in a lot more than what you would normally take. Uh, so this allows that to happen also. You're, the amount that you're getting, this little tiny amount, it takes a, a ton of plant material to make a very small amount of stone of whatever that plant material was. The main question for today is, what is an alchemist's perspective of reality? The easiest way to start explaining this is uh, explaining creation. And this is going to be a mix of uh, alchemist and heathen. So it matches an alchemist version, but it also uh, incorporates heathen thought trains. Um, in the beginning, there was three things. Gananga Gap, which is the yawning chasm. Uh, this is the void, the immaterial. And the immaterial is the all-mother. And that is in opposition to uh, the two worlds, which were the world of fire and the world of ice. This is Muspelheim and Niflheim. Now, at this point, the, the immaterial side the Ganunga, is Ganunga Gap. That's the feminine. And the material side is the masculine. Uh, and that's these two worlds because the masculine sides split just like the all split into the all mother and all father. So these two uh, planets represent the All-Father. There's still no life yet at this point. So at this point, Gananga Gap, which is the void, pulls these two worlds together. 
And where these two worlds meet, obviously there's destruction, but there's also where life appears. And in that mix in between the fire world and the ice world is where life appears. And the Vesca Pisces of that, if you're looking at it from a sacred geometry perspective. Now, inside of uh, that Vesca Pisces, uh, then the first two beings happen. And this is Ymir, the great ice giant, and Adumbla, the great cow, which again, we have the masculine and the feminine, with the masculine being the more uh, stable lock side, um, and then the feminine being the more uh, chaotic and lively side. Um, and so what happens is, a Dumbla goes and starts licking at Ymir. And from the licking of Ymir, life starts springing and other different life forms start springing into existence. <clears throat> so this is a really good representation of how, of how this reality works. We've got uh, a mask, an extremely masculine side, which is more easily thought of as crystal um and the crystal side does have life in it but it's completely a mobile life it's frozen um in all kinds of different uh, occult uh, cosmologies then that's represented as the chained souls and that chained soul is always chained to a rock um this is your crystal side your frozen side your masculine side this is where you get your structure from um, but like in the story, uh, Ymir was this frozen giant that couldn't do anything. Well, in opposition to that, we have this uh, feminine side. And the feminine side then has life. And that's the chaos. And just like a Dumbla, the great cow came down and started licking at the uh, frozen ice around uh, Ymir, um, we're talking about the feminine side, like electrically charging this other side. So this is a uh, more radiant, uh, wild energy as opposed to like crystals, which is very stable and structured. Now, <clears throat> the third part of the story, and this is one that most people don't catch. The third part of the story that's always there is the, the mercurial fluid that's in between. And in all ways, this mercurial fluid then makes the transition between this masculine, high masculine and high feminine. And the mercury in and of itself uh, doesn't have a masculine side or a feminine side. It's taking on whatever characteristics of whatever it uh, amalgamates. Um, easily seen in uh, actual liquid mercury, the metal in and of itself, uh, mercury will go up and just eat gold. Um, and then from that point, then you can take that gold and transfer it to somewhere else. Um, even just the basic mining of it, where they take and they just crush up a bunch of ore and they pour this mercury in through the ore <coughs> and the mercury drips out the other side. And then they take and remove the gold from the mercury because the mercury just snatches that gold on the way down and just eats it up. Um, 
And so this mercury is always making this transition happen. Uh, so then as an alchemist, you make that recognition that uh, in between the Dumbla and Ymir, there's, there was this great ice. This, uh, and it wasn't just ice, it was brine specifically. So brine is salty water. Um, so we, we specifically have an electrolyte. Now, you know, electrically, then we look at it. And if you, you take uh, distilled water and you put a positive charge onto one side and a negative ground terminal onto the other side, nothing will happen uh, because water, distilled water won't carry that current. It won't carry the charge. But that uh, water with the salt in it, now it's capable of carrying that charge. And now this current is able to now pass through. Um, so the salt in and of itself is then a ground and the current in itself of in itself is the sulfur and it needs that water in between, but the water is not masculine or feminine. It's, it's neither side. Um, so that's, what's making that transition. And alchemists put a lot into uh, understanding the mercury, the Hermes, where a lot of times you look at alchemists, they're uh, known to follow Hermes um, things like that, uh, different left-hand path type characters. Uh, and really uh, what that character is, is typically a representation of Mercury. And Mercury is what's making all this life uh, possible in the middle. Um, just like with your uh, heart meter, um, there's not just, there's three lines and one's that center line. And then you have the high and you have the low and life is uh, dance between this high and the low, up and down, up and down. And Mercury is that center line in between, the thing that makes the transition between that high and low. But if you just go on any of those lines by themselves and you don't get this polarity, this bounce back and forth, then, uh, then uh, there is no life. So throughout the world right now, uh, what we see is, is that interplay of this uh, energy that's going back and forth between the sulfur side and the salt side happening. Um, and we see it everywhere and consistently. And sometimes uh, it's more on the sulfur side and sometimes it's more on the salt side. In society right now, uh, and a lot of people like to think we're in this high masculine society, but we absolutely are not. We're uh, in a high feminine society. And, uh, <clears throat> but again, it's a polarity. And if it wasn't a polarity and if it wasn't a bounce back and forth, if there wasn't a, a swing back and forth between the polarities, then there would be no life. So uh, right now we're on the feminine. It will swing back. Um, but this is the world that we live in is just an interplay of that in, on so many different levels that it goes all the way down to the most microscopic life that you can imagine, all the way up to the planet in and of itself. Actually, going into uh, a little bit more with that, can you explain the whole concept of duality within alchemy and the universe and that masculine and feminine side within plants? Absolutely. Um, so again, without this duality, we don't have any life. So what we have now when we're starting to look at it is a macroverse and a microverse. 
And again, this is easiest to look at with spagyrics. Now we take a plant and I'm gonna use the example of the cannabis plant because a lot of people have more of an understanding of how the cannabis plant is made as opposed to other plants, but bear in mind, all plants work like this. So we could use this as an example with any plant, but most people don't know what the higher oils are in other plants where they do, almost everybody at this point has heard of THC and CBD. And um, most people have heard of terpenes even, which is the three representative oils in cannabis. Um, but so you take this cannabis plant and the entire plant is, is a plant. This is a mix of the masculine and the feminine, and it's a whole thing. It's your prima materia. And so we're going to take this plant. We're going to go ahead and start it through the alchemical process, which means the first thing I'm going to do is break apart that masculine side and that feminine side. And this is where we're going to start gaining understandings of what's going on with these sides. And so I'm going to ferment the plant. And I'm going to pull and I'm going to pull out the uh, oils out of the plant and uh, get everything unlocked and separate the oil side. And inside the oil side, sulfur is also going to ride inside the oil. Um, these two things are going to be locked together initially. And so then I'm going to take and pull this uh, sulfur side out and this oil side which basically all I've done at that point is make alcohol. And a lot of people are going to know how to do that. Um, but rather than just take that uh, uh, plant mash and throw it away, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in a, a crucible, which is just a, a container, a bowl that I, that can take substantial amounts of heat without being damaged. So, you know, nothing real fancy, uh, graphite, uh, I use cast iron most of the time, but anything that can really take a substantial amount of heat, because you're going to take this plant material and you're going to burn it down to its uh, salt. Now, as you're going through that uh, transition, you're going to notice how much energy that takes and how hard that is. And you're going to watch it go through some phases because now some of the things that are coming out of the plant that were in between the actual masculine and feminine are going to start disappearing. Like uh, the first thing the plant is going to do is turn black. And we all know how that works. We've all burnt something in the oven. Uh, my wife makes her famous well-fired Danish cookies um, where <laughs> about every uh, two out of three batches of cookies comes out and it is a uh, white black uh, <laughs> um, and that is the carbon coming to the top um, the carbons being activated being brought out and now that's coming to the surface and uh, you're going to want to continue that process and that carbon is something that belongs to the earth and you're going to give those things back to the earth because the things that are in between that are causing this interference are the things that belong to the earth. Um, they were needed when you first started, when the plant first started, those, those were both needed because the, the masculine side, the feminine side, they, they, they're in opposition to each other. They want to uh, push away from each other. And so, uh, 
this carbon's basically locking them together. But now as an alchemist, we're pulling it apart and getting it down to the separate pieces. Um, and so we're going to keep burning that carbon out, burning out the cellular material um, or burning it down. And that's eventually, that's right. Um, burning it down until it's a fine white powder. So all the cellular material that was in between is now also uh, burnt down and broken down to its finest. And we're going to take and mix that with uh, distilled water because the thing that we're really after in this is salt, is salt crystals. Um, when, I, when you say salt, so many people get confused and automatically want to think just sodium, but there's all kinds of different, any mineral, you know, basic mineral nutrient is considered is a salt. Electrolytes or mineral nutrients in it, um, then those electrolytes are going to interfere with, or they're going to be present in your experiment and that wasn't part of the plant. So you're gonna be adding those things in. You don't wanna contaminate your experiment like that. So it's distilled water that you use. Um, and you mix that into this, uh, into this paste and then you pull out or into this ash and then you strain that out and you'll see that the, the cellular material or the ash stays behind and uh, you'll be left with just clear liquid after you strain it enough times. Well, then you evaporate out the water and you're going to be left with your salt crystals. Now we've gotten that down to its uh, purest, most uh, masculine state. Now from that state, we can take and we can look at some things. Uh, that masculine state or that crystal state, that crystal state, it doesn't move. Now it's got life in it. Uh, you can take a Geiger counter to crystals, and that's even how you uh, determine some crystals, whether they're real or fake, um, what, what kind of crystal it is even. Like sapphires is a big one. You see a lot of uh, forgeries going on where they try and do uh, things with other crystals to make them look like a sapphire. And especially once it's in its cut form, uh, you can't go ahead and do things like a Mohs hardness test, things like that. You can't drill it. You don't want to take a, a already cut gem and scratch it and put acid on it, things like that. Um, so you'll take a Geiger counter, which is gonna actually uh, register the energy being radiated out of this crystal. Um, but these are very structured. One thing when you look at uh, crystal, what makes it a crystal, that means the, the atoms are aligned in a really, really uniform way. And so this is, very, very uniform, very masculine. Um, now we flip over to the other side. Uh, the other side is uh, going to be your sulfur side. So we're going to go ahead and distill out and get down to this pure oil with this sulfur. And the oil in and of itself then is going to be uh, the mercury. And that's going to be your, your uh, THC, your uh, CBD, and your terpenes. And each of those levels is going to kind of unlock some things. Um, with terpenes, that's an easy thing to describe. 
so when you're cooking food and you start walking by the thing that you're smelling, unless you're make unless you have well fired the cookies, like my wife likes to do. <laughs> if if they're not well fired, it's not carbon burning off. Then uh, the thing that's burning off is uh, uh, the oil, and when that terpene hits your hits your nose. The first thing that's going to happen is your mouth's going to start watering, your stomach starts gurgling, you start releasing bile. You're setting up pathways that are happening. That terpene's already entered your system in, in one way, and it's going to enter it in other ways if you go ahead and eat it, things like that. And so all these pathways have opened up, and your body's starting to kick itself into gear. And then as these other oils come in, they're also going to do this same exact thing. Now what, that's, now, what that's opening a pathway up for is the nutrient to come in, the, the punch. And so when you look at this electrically, then the, you've got amperage, voltage, and you've got the, the current, and the, which travels in the wire between. If uh, you've got... Uh, both sides are basically useless, be it the amperage or, or the ground, when you're looking at the three wires. Um, the amperage does, the, the hot wires got nowhere to go. If you don't set it a path to ground, it will just stay right there, right where it is. Uh, the ground side obviously doesn't move either. That side's got no, nowhere to go. So you set this wire up, this transition between the two, and now the power can shoot down to the ground, which is, again, this is, we go back to the Adumbla and Ymir story. Adumbla goes to Ymir, who is frozen because that crystal side is the frozen side. That sulfur side travels to that masculine side and unlocks that masculine side and frees that uh, chained soul in the masculine side. So the feminine side, it doesn't have the structure, but it's got this energy, this wild energy, as, as opposed to this very structured energy that isn't able to move because it's so horribly structured. It's only when you put all three of these things together that the whole system works and the same thing applies to plants now with plants through the alchemy we've gotten this down to the salt and now we've gotten it down to the sulfur and the oil now it's not until if i take the salt and just ingest the salt that's only going to be some minerals and my body is not going to really particularly want to process that because it's a it's a crystal if I eat this crystal, it's not going to process particularly well. It's just going to be a crystal. Um, on the same token, where essential oils are so popular, well, like we were just talking about with uh, terpenes, which is an essential oil, um, when you get that pathway open, if you just smelled the food, you wouldn't be very happy that you never got to eat the food. That's not how the system works. So you've opened up this pathway and, and 
if you don't get something to fill it in, if you don't, you know, you smell a hamburger, if you don't eat the burger, you're kind of pissed off about it. You've like opened up pathways and now it's even worse. A hunger you didn't have is now really there. Your body's like, Hey dude, 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 I got half of it. So what we've done is, is open up the pathway, but we've not set up the, the whole system. So that way this current um, can properly carry. And so open the door and nobody came in. Right. Right. Um, so this is what's going on with the masculine and the feminine. We both sides are this symbiotic relationship and the two sides need to work together because they're oppositional and they, they do need to be oppositional. Um, you take a piece of steel, a piece of steel is just a dead thing, but if you charge it with electricity, what happens? Then these particles inside of it polarize. And now this magnet is a very live thing. It's given out all kinds of energy that you can do all kinds of things with and is very easily recognizable. But what happened is, is part of the particles went to positive and part of the particles went to negative. Now, without both of those, then the whole system falls apart. Without a positive and a negative, you, the whole system falls apart. Now, the masculine is your negative and the feminine is your positive. Um, and without both of those, it's just a dead piece of metal, dead piece of iron. Uh, the same applies in all these different things. It's a, it's a symbiotic system where the feminine side is the chaotic side that's unlocking things, that's, that's making this energetic push. But then the masculine side is creating the structure. Um, when you look at the sun, if the sun had nowhere to ground out, had nowhere, to, it just was this radiant energy then it wouldn't have any direction. And a lot of people don't think about that, that it needs to have any kind of energy needs to have uh, uh, some kind of pull on the other side to give it direction, to give it somewhere to go, or else it's just going to sit there. Um, and so a Dumbla needed uh, Ymir to give that structure so that energy had a place to go. We had a place to transfer. Um the two, like I said, absolutely work in symbiosis and each has their own job. Each has their own function. And understanding that is a huge key to, to life, to alchemy, um, understanding the world period. And when you start doing that, things start working out better for you. Like when, uh, you're going, when you're going through the search for different alternative energies, understanding that our energy right now is a horribly masculine energy systems and uh if you put uh the feminine side into there you put some pull into that push then uh things work a whole lot better you don't need so much of the one side uh very similar to like uh the fish tank uh bag those fish tank pumps not the electric pumps which is just horribly masculine you're always fight, you're always pumping always making that action as opposed to that vacuum, which is kind of where you just get the whole flow started with a push. But then once the flow started, the vacuum just keeps it going just and it'll just dump out the whole thing. Uh, 
we don't do that with our energy systems in any way, shape or form. So we don't live very efficiently, but having those understandings in all these different ways, or again, with medicine, because, because of that understanding, I know that essential oils, while they do have their uses are not as good and won't have as much benefit as something that was done alchemically. And is the stone where now the masculine side is also added into there. Um, there are going to be occasions where you only want the feminine side, but not very many. Not too often do you want pathways open, but nothing to go down them. How was alchemy used in the past? Also, what is the history of alchemy? <clears throat> so historically, uh, people look at alchemists and uh, the ones that more people think about is ancient Kemet, where, uh, which is uh, Egypt. And they call it Elkhamet, and that's alchemy. So that's where they say that it mostly derived from. Um, and then a lot of those people then are followers of Hermes. And then supposedly it traveled on, and you look at ancient Greece. Now, in Greece, supposedly you had uh, Paracelsus. And before Paracelsus, supposedly alchemy was basically uh, the study of trans muting base metals and lead is the most common example into gold now supposedly paracelsus said what are we wasting all of our time running around trying to turn other things into gold for um and we could be doing working on plants and deriving this into plants and making superior plant medicine and other different things um so then supposedly from paracelsus time that that's where it started turning into plant medicine and things like that. Um, now, while the transmutation of lead into gold seems like an absolutely ridiculous thing, uh, it doesn't seem like it could happen and it sounds very, very magical. But when you start really putting laboratory uh, ideas into these things and starting to look at these things, you start understanding how they break down. And so we can look at a galvanic battery and the way a galvanic battery works is you have a, a metal that's the cathode and the cathode needs to be the most stable thing in that battery. Now behind the cathode, you have a negative side and the cathode is the positive. That's why it has to be the most stable metal. Um, now the anode side in that is capable of, uh, breaking down and that's going to be less stable so what's going to happen is is and we can take and look at this battery as lead and, and gold or a silver and gold um silver is less stable than gold and so in a galvanic cell if you have the battery operating what's going to happen is is the silver of the anode is actually going to the particles are going to break apart. And when that particle breaks apart, as, as the silver is breaking down and oxidizing, the electron side of that particle is going to travel directly over to the cathode. Now, when that electron side gets over to the cathode, it's actually going to change the charge of the cathode. Now the cathode is more negative than what it was. Um, 
And so this ion side, which is this perfect positive, is going to float out into the electrolytic fluid or the mercury. And it's going to get pulled by this negative charge that has now been applied to the cathode. And the ion side is going to float this little way on over and get over to the cathode, at which point it's uh, uh, now going to merge into the cathode. And through this process, the anode side is actually going to shrink and deteriorate, and the cathode side is actually going to grow. So in this example just given, silver, which the anode side was silver, and that side deteriorated and got smaller. And these particles came back together on the gold side, and the gold cathode actually became bigger. And what we have is a literal transmutation of silver into gold. Now, from silver, we can drop down into different things like copper, into uh, iron, uh, things like that, all the way down to lead, and set this up in a series of deterioration according to how easily they break down. And this whole thing will end up becoming a chain and all the lower metals will end up becoming the upper metals and the upper metals will end up all becoming gold as this battery deteriorates. And as I was talking about with alchemy earlier, it's all about breaking things down to their finest component pieces. Well, in this process, uh, through the galvanic uh, biochemical breakdown, um, the particles are actually splitting in and of themselves into a completely masculine, masculine electron and a completely positive ion. And uh, then coming back together again. So it's always breaking things down into their most finest component pieces. And it's only through biochemistry that uh, <clears throat> we get to that where now this thing has become to this other thing. And on the flip side, if I wanna reverse the system and I throw power or pure electricity into that uh, cathode, it will literally start breaking that cathode down and those particles reverse and the gold will then become the silver, will then become the other things. Um, all through uh, what's called electrolysis. The electrolysis process. Now, so these are all just things that people didn't uh, necessarily have a name for. Understanding that just trying to make gold out of that was only one very key component. It's understanding that all of these metals will eventually become gold and gold will then eventually become all of these metals. And there's a whole lot of energy transfers in between and a lot of things that happen a lot of understandings so while they were studying that that's what I would say that they were probably studying but the things that uh, we get told that they were studying was just oh they were trying to turn lead into gold which is a thing that happens and it's not even a thing that's that hard to make happen it's something you can do with a basic battery um but that's what we're fed that, that they were doing and they were trying to accomplish, which really gives you a view of alchemists that they were just a bunch of uh, chemistry gold miners, basically nerds that just wanted to become rich.
touch, you know, got that like the Midas gold, the Midas touch, you know, try and turn everything into gold. Um, yeah, it gives you a real bad idea of what they had going on there. Uh, and that's not at all what they were trying to achieve. Um, again, through that entire battery process, there's a whole back and forth process in that and understanding that. And from my perspective, myself and Elsie King have been working on a world model that uh, has been pretty popular and we've had on quite a few shows. Um where that's basically how the world works then. Uh, and I'm guessing that that's what those alchemists were trying to work out, but none of that uh, has transferred through. And you, we all have heard the stories where alchemists uh, have been tortured, killed, um, their information uh, put down, uh, hidden, destroyed, uh, things like that throughout history, because this is uh, hidden knowledge and, and whatnot occult and really at the end of the day all it is is uh an understanding of how the world works and trying to get to that because if you can truly understand how things work then you can go with the flow instead of constantly against it like we like to do <laughs> oh for sure how would you say alchemy is used the most in present day um in the present day the way it's getting gets used the most i would have to say is uh, more of the Jungian type of alchemy where uh you've got world leaders that are setting up a scenario where they know that they can't just come in and do a push um you can't just come in and start making people do a certain thing there needs to be a need for that thing before you can come in and push that thing. Um, and so they're doing it on the more psychological level with it. Only they have a better understanding than all these uh, young psychologist kids running around, you know, going on about it. Uh, they're actually employing it. So they, they set these things in motion and they set and they understand how, how it needs to work. Um, it's as simple as, uh, if they would have came out with the, which when you go and investigate, you realize that uh, they've been working on these vaccines for a number of years before some of the uh, patents were applied to before the vaccine broke out. But you can't just go and uh, push a vaccine that has no sickness to, to, you have no need for it. So now we got to create a need um, in order to get this other thing to come in. So we've got to create this push-pull. Um, again, electrically, we understand that that kind of thing works a lot, that uh, energy just works purely like that. But really, it seems like on a, a world, on a society level, they've done their best to make sure that nobody is actually using that in, in any kind of a proper way. Um, we're putting as maximum amount of effort into everything, which that again is not the way an alchemist does something. You know, why would you run around trying to sell a, a, a vaccine um, when you can have a, have a disease that goes around and now all of a sudden people are screaming for it, you know, please give me this thing. You know, you, you, you would have taken a whole lot of work to try and get you to, uh, uh, 
people to take that before this and now after the fact. So it's, so it's understanding just how things work and, and applying that. But I don't see where the general public pretty much, I don't see where they apply it too much at all at, at this point. Um, again, they're starting to get to sides of it where uh, you can go to GNC and you can buy yourself a bottle of mineral salts. But what are those salts? Those are hard crystals. Um, hard crystals are real hard to, for your body to process or else why would we even eat other things that are not just a pure salt? Why are you even eating all that carbon and all that other stuff? Um, your body needs those things to process it. Um, you can go to the, you can go to, uh, the health food store and you can get, uh, essential oils for any of those plants that that salt would have been derived from. You can go get the oil of those plants. Can you go to the, uh, nutrition store and get a plant that was made the oil was derived the salt was removed and the two things put back together absolutely not they aren't going to give you that um they, they they make sure that those component pieces are separated in no way are you given all of the pieces together at once uh, it's a very interesting thing. And like I said, it seems like they really seem to reserve that those understandings and those uh, uses for themselves. And even the people that do start having that understanding, implementing things into their into your life and making your knowledge functional, that's such a hard thing for people. They really struggle with that. Um, and we've been being handicapped for a very long time now. Going off a little bit off that last question, what is the biggest issues in society from the view of an alchemist today? At, at this point, it's just a, 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 a because of the portion of the cycle that we're in. Um, so we're in this very, very high feminine side of things. And in this high feminine side, everybody uh, knows everything. Everybody has all the answers to how everything should work. They know how to do this and that. They're, they're on the internet. You know, if you looked on the internet in the last two years, there's been more uh, medical experts uh, on the internet than you would have ever guessed exist in the world, um, telling everybody all about it. Um, now, where the problem comes in is most of those people don't really, like I was just saying, apply that to your life. And it's the application of it is where the masculine side comes in. Um, the masculine side's the structure, the feminine side's the engineer. So really what we've got is an entire society of engineers who all have really these really high ideas. And a lot of them are newer ideas. And, you know, even if they aren't in their older ideas, they're ones that haven't been employed recently. And when you've got all these new ideas, you are again, the engineer. And just like anybody that's worked on a construction crew, uh, half of what that engineer thinks is batshit crazy. Um, you won't go out and find a single construction worker that doesn't cuss engineers, you know, like that guy lives in his own fucking world. Has he ever actually been out in the world? Does he know how things work out here? And so they have these really fine ideas 
Well, where the masculine side comes in is the application of it, the structuring of it. And that's where you really find, uh, find out what something's worth is through that, uh, giving it body, giving it, uh, structure and reality. That's why you find out, you know, where it's where the rubber meets the road. Um, you can tell me all about all these fine numbers uh, of horsepower and, and uh, uh, you know, your turbo and your injector and blah, blah, blah. But it's where the rubber meets the road that that's what matters. All those other things don't really matter. It's what happens right here, right there, right now. Um, so that's not happening. Almost nobody lives the life that they're talking about. Uh, they'll tell you all about their fine religion. And then we all know that, you know, we, in my lifetime, anyways, we all know the typical Christian that for six days a week does whatever the hell they want. And for one day a week, they're God's, they're God's child. And they go in there and, you know, do what God wants. And then in no way, but even though they aren't living that life, they'll still go around and tell everybody about it. You know, you need to be this and this is how you need to act. But that guy isn't acting that that guy isn't doing that. Um, and, and it's not just Christians. It's almost everybody else, too. Again, we've moved to this feminine engineer side where it's all ideas with no uh, no push behind it. We're not actually putting our money where our mouth is. It's just all mouth at this point. And and. Uh, that's again the biggest problem with society we we don't want to do the things that we say and when you get like that you can literally say anything you can say anything because what difference does it make what is an alchemist's explanation of this plane that we live on so this is the carbon plane this is the earth this is not uh this is muspelheim is too fiery for us that's too chaotic so everything on that side of the Vesca Pisces is too much for any life in this level. Anything on the other side of it, which is going to be Niflheim, is going to be too stable. And so we look at something that's too fast and, and uh, too extremely chaotic for us to even comprehend. It's consistently changing somewhere where life just flits, just it's all the ideas, all the everything like that, all the just most energetic things. And then when you've got Niflheim, you've got the raw, most primal base component pieces, the crystal. The, and we all know that while crystal has life in it, and this crystal has seen tens of thousands of years and lived through things, can you talk to it? You don't even know if you could talk to it. Now, what if you had 10,000 years to have that conversation? It's very similar to uh, the Lord of the Rings where, you know, he's talking to the, the ant, to the tree beings. And the trees like, you know, it usually takes us thousands of years to have a conversation. Um, you draw that out and you understand that in the movie, they didn't put it the way it would normally be where that word, one word, the one syllable would probably take that being a year to make. So you're like, and you'd have to listen to that for years before you'd even get the whole word. Um, 
this this is a too dense and too slow and too stable of a uh, uh, and and Niflheim's even below that. So in our in our existence in that Vesca Pisces, we have the nine realms, which uh, as a heathen, then it's nine realms. So Muspelheim is the the most fiery, and Niflheim is the most icy. And it's everything in between, which is where most of your life happens. Um, and there's Asgard, Vanheim, which are still more fiery than uh, our plane. And the, those beings we call typically gods as a human or angels or something like that. A seer as a, as a heathen, we call them the seer. Now on the flip side then, because it always has to have the two sides, everything's too stable and frozen. And then we have the more elemental type beings. So those elemental type beings are things that we can't understand, like water and crystal and the, 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 the spirit of the land, this mountain that's been here, you know, the more elemental things. Now we live on the carbon plane that right in between the dead center has disadvantages at the beginning where we don't get all the power of the titan side the crystal side we again just discussed how that would take so long to even have a conversation you know understanding these things are moving so slow and on the flip side the fiery side we get burnt we'd start coming apart you know um so we don't get to access the height of either of those. We get this dirty kind of in-between. We're like a Jack and Coke. We're not Jack. We're not Coke. We're a Jack and Coke. And, uh, but the advantage is, is also we can be a complete Jack and Coke through the, the alchemical process and become this other thing where we get the advantage all the advantages of both sides at the same time because we live on this plane that's in between we aren't just the jack side we aren't just the coke side we we can be both and so this particular plane is a testing ground where you're here to make those things come together you're here to do the great work and this plane is specifically there for that what is an alchemist's view on psychedelic plants? <laughs> so historically, you know, the alchemists always had the best, uh, the best stuff in their snifters, right? Um, yeah, you, you, you go hit up the alchemist, you're not just going to get some dirty street drugs. You're going to get the, you're going to get the bomb diggity. Uh, <laughs> you want to see, you want to meet God? Here you go. I got something for you. Um, so now while I, uh, am very much pro psychedelic drugs. Also, it's something that should be done uh, with a lot of regard to what you're doing. So the psychedelics are there to basically make a connection that uh, you in this life, we're going to have a hard time with making because there's nothing on in those psychedelic drugs. All this doing is slightly altering your vibration and making you capable of accessing other areas um and when i say psychedelic drugs i do mean just the more natural ones like dmt uh 
uh, mushrooms, be it psilocybin or uh, uh, the muscari, the Amanita muscaria, something along those lines, DMT, which is just a derivative from plants. Um, I'm not talking about uh, LSD. I don't uh, monkey with that. But uh, these are going to expose you and change your vibration. And you're going to be able to see things that you weren't able to see because you're not you're not on that vibration right now. Um, but you could be. You could be. Um, just like anything else, just like your typical more mundane mind, if you learn more and learn to expand that mind out or even your body, if you go do yoga every day, all of a sudden you're going to have a much wider range of motion in your body. If you expand your mind out, you're going to have a much wider range of thinking. Um, and so when you start spiritually understanding that there is vibrations above and below you and that you're not necessarily accessing those, the drug, the, the psychedelic drug shows you that the world is there, but then you should not then be relying on that. It, it, it's should be being used more as a teaching tool where you can if you are never going to be able to access that on your own, it's allowing you to occasionally access those. But for the most part, you should be learning to um, expand your uh, being to places where you can access that without the drugs. That understanding that these higher and dense, higher and denser levels of thought are something you could be accessing but are choosing not to. And it's only through the use of these drugs that you're freeing yourself up enough to do it. Um, are you working on anything else uh, currently that's uh, interesting? So Elsie King and I have been working on uh, matching up the galvanic cell and the electrolysis side to the actual uh, world and applying that to the world. Now, one of the things that... Uh, we're really working on with that, that I'm working on anyways, is, is understanding uh, the more uh, deteriorating side of that, the masculine side. Um, and that's something that they've really hidden from us. Um, and I think a lot of that might have to do with radio, more radioactive metals where they literally are just degrading and sending out energy. Um, and I think there's just a lot of lies told with that. Uh, if anybody's real interested, looking up decay chains of different radioactive metals is super fascinating. And the way they then interplay with each other, the way things like um, most things will de degrade into uranium. Uranium is just an easy one for us to use. So even if it's not degrading into uranium, then they also will take thorium and use thorium to make uranium because thorium takes neutrons and changes neutrons over because then it's when you start getting into uh, uh radioactive elements it's that's the best place to really understand alchemy in its base because you start understanding that depending on the number of uh neutrons that it has depends on how many electrons and protons it's capable of holding and at that point then it just becomes something else 
That's why it's called a decay chain. So like all these metals will end up becoming all kinds of different metals and going all the way down to bismuth. Uranium can literally become bismuth, that crap, the stuff that you can cook up in a pot in a pot and make into nice little interesting geometric shapes in your counter. I was going to say, yeah, I got you know, some of that stuff. Um, you betcha. You betcha. And uh, you can turn around and make uh, bismuth into uranium, just understanding these uh, back and forth. And again, like you, you take something like thorium where thorium will transfer out the neutrons, things like that. So, and that really ends up becoming the base the way all life works is understanding that one thing, it would be another thing if you just added an electron or if I just pulled out a proton and now all of a sudden this is this, but is, was it really any different in the, in the first place? And so you really start getting a lot of understandings of things and uh, just the way the world works. (laughs) So it's very interesting, but uh, that's basically what I've been working on. But Unfortunately, right now I'm uh, bogged down because we got spring and spring. Everything's either uh, fighting or having babies or trying to make babies. Um, and that's basically the three things that you got going on in spring. Uh, so the farm's always just hopping and then trying to get a garden area ready. Um, all those fun things. So I have not been able to be uh, doing the experiments and delving into things. And I want to take... Uh, the aqua cure machine, um, which is George Weissman's machine for health. And I want to do some electrolysis electrolysis experiments with it. I haven't been able to get around to that either because I want to take the guts out of it and replace them with guts with different metals. Um, because, uh, in, so part of the battery model we're looking at right now the galvanic side is what we live in right now, but if uh, all batteries eventually wear out and then you're looking at, from my perspective, a Ragnarok event, which is, you know, your apocalypse type event and a Ragnarok event, then in my opinion, is just a recharge of the system because you even look at the story as a heathen and cert uh, uh, the king of Muspelheim comes with his army of fire giants and burn the entire nine realms you know, drives his fiery sword through the realms and that just to me sounds like an electrical a giant electrical charge like you would get in a hard recharge um and then from that hard recharge well one of the other events that uh people are seeing around the world that's getting a lot of attention is the what they're calling the mud flood which doesn't really make sense why this mud would appear in this minerals and things well during this hard recharge or an electrolysis event, which in a battery terms, that would just be an electrolysis event or a recharging. Um, and George Weissman's machine, uh, because these metals are the same, uh, what's going on is this metal sludge appears as he's doing this electrolysis process, breaking down water in this machine. And this sludge uh, matches the metal of the anode the cathode, uh, because he's only doing electrolysis in his machine. He doesn't need that differential of the metals because there's no breakdown like that happening. It's just a straight electrolysis of electricity breaking down uh, water. Um, 
but the sludge appears as a byproduct of that and it matches the metal of the electrodes and well then after a couple of years george saved up this uh sludge and ended up getting 19 pounds of this sludge saved up well he took apart the machine and uh you know common sense would tell you that that's probably the electrodes themselves breaking apart and breaking down and just leaving their particles in the water but the electrodes weighed exactly the same as they did before that um so that metal inside that metal sludge inside this uh, solution did not come from those electrodes or the breakdown of these electrodes this magically appeared um well it's my opinion that uh because you're sending electrical charge through that system, the electric electricity, when we were talking about it, that electron side, that draws the ion. Once the electron and the ion meet, you have a real boy. All of a sudden, we can see that particle. We couldn't see an electron particle. We couldn't see an ion particle. But when the electron and ion are together, all of a sudden, we can see it. Um, and so I think that it's driving electrons through these electrodes and then that's pulling ions and because it's going through the electrode it's basically programming it to grab out that ion and that's what it's producing so i'm going to try and change out some of these metals and see what happens anything uh you want anybody to be looking out for in the next couple months as far as uh, stuff you're working on um i think i got a crow episode that's getting ready to come up but uh um, just yeah please come on over to uh benjamin balderson odin's alchemy on rockfin i've been hanging out with the weaving spiders crowd a bit on saturdays every now and then so you can catch me on there occasionally and uh yeah that's that's about it we're looking at where we got uh also we're getting ready to uh been cleaning up the farm because we're gonna we're looking at starting an intentional community so some information should be coming out about that and some stuff following that. Um, looking to get together with a couple other families and buy up a substantial amount of land. And uh, from there, um, start building a self-sufficient off-grid community where we're supplying ourselves with everything and uh, just kind of live in a different way. And uh, really looking forward to that. So. That's really cool. What, uh, what state are you guys looking into? Uh, we don't have a state picked yet. Um, we've really been watching since the COVID thing went on because a lot of states implemented a lot of laws. Um, so I've been more concentrating on getting the property here fixed up. We, I've been going in and doing a lot of forest management, cleaning the place up, burning things, um, fixing up on the house. So getting this land ready to, uh, turn this land over. And then, uh, at that point, we just basically, we really need to, uh, have mountains and our own water source. And after that, whichever state is imposing the least nonsense on the people trying to keep people just stay out of our business. Um, if we can get our own little community going that we're not living off the world, the world can leave us alone too. So, (laughs) What kind of uh, power source are you guys looking into using like water and like solar electricity or? Yeah. Yeah. It, ideal. If we could do hydro, um, hydro is, is, as uh, you can't beat it. Cause hydro is just constant, constant. Uh, if you have a good consistent water source, you know, you're in a river, you're in a 
fall, whatever, or a real nice down. Um, you've got, uh, if you've got a lot, a good slope on your land where you can collect some and then push it down to the other side, um, hydro is the best. Uh, if you have a substantial, a good enough hydro setup, you don't even really need batteries. Uh, you just need a power dump, um, which it can be lights, fans, a pump, whatever. Uh, and that would be best, but hydro is such a hard system to, to uh, get. You know, you have to have certain conditions on your land. So it would more than likely be a, a cross between solar and uh, uh, wind. Now, depending on the state, you know, you get up north, you get like the, the, the Dakotas, Illinois, Wyoming. Uh, there's so much wind that, you, you know, you could set up a mill and run off and all the time, no problem. Uh, Wyoming, they got uh, that crazy nutbag. Uh, I can't believe uh, oh, what's his name from Halliburton, Cheney. Uh, I can't believe that uh, uh, Dick Cheney's daughter actually got a, a dang uh, elected position. Like, wow, I would have thought that family was burnt in politics, but she got elected into Wyoming and pushed through uh, that they can tax wind energy in Wyoming. I, uh, Wyoming would not have been one of my choices anyways, but you got to watch out for things like that, where the government starts claiming they own things like the wind, uh, staying away from those States, obviously. But when we, uh, get a little bit closer to it, we like Montana a lot. Um, Appalachian area really at the end of the day, if you don't want, uh, your area to be taken over, you can't really, look at property the same way most people do where they look at property and oh is the land going to come up and blah 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 is this going to be a good investment if you really want to get away from society you got to go to the places they don't want to go so it's got to be land that they just don't even want they won't come near the property values are never going to go up um, nobody's going to want to go there because the property values only go up when rich people start moving in and that's when the place goes to crap <laughs> Always. Do you have any other uh, good recommendations yep. for anybody that would be interested in trying to live off grid? Oh, uh, the first thing you, first thing you just need to do is, is uh, start cutting down your bills, start cutting down what you're doing. You don't need to run electricity all day, every day. Um, you don't need to run your power all the time. You, um, start cutting down your needs because that's the thing you're going to find if you go live off grid is, is, uh, it's extraordinarily expensive if you got to run into town every day. Like for me right now, it's a 45 minute drive into town. Um, three trips into town is a tank of gas and a tank of gas, is 150 bucks. You know, what am I going to spend uh, $300 a week? Just getting to town and back. Um, not including when you're in town, you stop at a gas station and get a soda. There's a couple bucks and you just grab a pop and a, and a candy bar or whatever, you know, you're three, four bucks into it and you know, all those kind of things. It's so easy to just blow through money. Um, as opposed to if you were staying home, you're home cooking your food, uh, Owen Benjamin and the bears, they're doing good work. Uh, a lot of off graders going on there. Um, a lot of those guys are really moving off grid, but literally it's just starting. It's just getting there. Uh, 
working on it because when you start realizing it like even your fridge if you're not going in your fridge 53 times a day your fridge only needs to get chilled down a couple hours a day and it'll maintain just fine uh a deep freeze does even better a deep freeze once that's down to temperature uh because the door or a fridge we live live so inefficiently like you take a fridge a fridge we all know that hot air rises cold air sinks so when you open up the door to your fridge especially in the middle of summer there's a reason that your shins and your ankles suddenly feel cold because all that cold air literally just went and dropped right out your fridge you know and now your fridge has got to pump itself back up to temperature as soon as you get to the door shut it's got to get itself back to temperature before it can even stop running we're like a deep freeze, which it sucks leaning down into a deep freeze to grab things. But a deep freeze, when you open it up, that cold is sitting already there. It's got nowhere to fall. It's going to stay in the deep freeze. Uh, but we don't like doing that. And, and a deep freeze, if you take like a kegerator and put it on there, uh, that'll bypass the thermostat. So you can keep your deep freeze at, say, 35 degrees and keep it refrigerator temperature. But people don't want to do that. Um, just start looking at all the conveniences that you're that you're employing into your life everywhere and start cutting a lot of that out getting down to your basic needs and when you get down to those basic needs that's when you can start building back up going into uh what you're saying it's all about people would rather live where everything's as convenient as possible rather than living where everything is as efficient as possible yeah exactly and you got to break that mindset. And that's going to be the number one thing. If you want to get into this life, you've got to learn to get rid of convenience. Ben, a great conversation with you today, man. Uh, before we uh, get going, do you want to tell everybody uh, your information? They can find you really quick. I have a website, uh, theheathenwizards.com. And so you can come find me there or I'm over on YouTube or Rockfin and I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook under just Benjamin Balderson. Uh, I try to answer uh, messages. I'm pretty busy right now. Uh, got babies popping out, just had a baby goat um, and just got rid of puppies. Uh, so, I mean, babies everywhere. So I'm kind of busy right now, but I always try to get back to anybody and uh, yeah, come watch the shows. I really appreciate you making time to come on the show today. And I really hope to have you come back out in the future if you're interested. Absolutely, brother. Definitely. We'll, we'll definitely have a chat again. Perfect. Thank you Even so much. Even though he hasn't uh, had a lot to stay during the show, we've talked off the show quite a bit it, where his voice isn't tore up. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully on the next one, I can uh, do a little bit more back and forth and I won't sound like my voice is about to be gone. Two days ago, my voice was completely gone. I've been trying to talk as minimal as possible, just making sure I'd be able to have this conversation today. <laughs> Gotta love Michigan. If there's I weather control anywhere, it's here. Right, right. Yeah, you know that they've been at war with Michigan. That I mean, wow, look at Detroit. That's insanity. Insanity. Sure, man. We'll have uh, one day where it'll be 70 in the morning, and then by the second half of the day, it's been snowing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, that's not right. <laughs> I don't care what anybody thinks. That's not right. This is the first year, too, that it's been this drastic. And we've had so much rain that anytime it rains, it just sits on the top because there's no nowhere else for the water to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Happening in northern Australia, too. Yeah. And then other places are just deserts right now.
So that's what California has been getting. We get the desert treatment. Oh yeah. And then you got all the wildfires we're, too. We're, uh, yeah. I, and I just heard yesterday they were talking about uh, Lake Tahoe cause I was down in the Bay um, dropping off Freddie Badger to the airport. So I was listening to the radio and they were talking about Lake Tahoe where they get a lot of their water out of. They're already at like 3% of what they're, they're down to 3% of what they're supposed to be for the snowpack. Because throughout the year, that's where the, the water comes from later in the year is, is the snowpack that melts off. And they're saying the snowpack's down to 3% already. And we're still, in, it's, we're still, in, it, this is where it's supposed to be its highest. So they're already telling us there's no water. Always something, man. It's just one thing and on to another. And I guarantee you next year, the weather's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse everywhere. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, until they've got it worked out to biblical events where one side is, you know, you got your pestilence, you got your fire, you got your, you know, and obviously I'm living in the fire, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, they've got to get down their, their disasters, get each area into its own little disaster. Pretty much got to divide everybody in order to control everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. But thank you everybody for uh, tuning in on another edition of Inquiries of Our Reality. If anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic question for the show, or has anything they feel they can contribute to the show, please send me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. If you'd like to donate to the show so I can eventually do this as a full-time thing, please check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash inquiriesofourrealitypodcast. And of course, follow me on social media for updates on the show. For Instagram, it's going to be www.instagram.com slash inquiriesofourreality. And for Facebook, it's going to be www.facebook.com slash inquiries of our reality podcast.